great to be with you. My name is Steve McGinnis. I'm the missions and family pastor, and uh, it is exciting to be able to get up and to be able to uh, to be able to open up God's word with you here this morning. Um, as Minch mentioned, uh, was able to pop in and see Pastor Tim Mill this week, and uh, he seems to be getting along uh, quite well. He still gets a little dizzy when he's up and around, but. Uh, he was uh, studying up and writing some um, biblical counseling materials, and we spent about 35 or 40 minutes talking about some Old Testament passages as it relates to the New Testament principle, as it relates to biblical counseling. So I think he's kind of chomping at the bit and ready to get back in the swing of things, and uh, I know he is excited to be back here, and will hopefully be with us here in the next couple of weeks here be able to be back in the pulpit, so appreciate that, and looking forward to that as well. Well, you know, it's been an exciting week this past week. There's been a whole lot of things that are in the news, and some, some highs and some lows, some very serious things, and some more trivial things as well, but uh, one of the uh, things I've kind of found a little interesting here, and so I thought I would take a poll today. So let's just settle it here once and for all. All right, how many Yanny? How many here Yanny? How many here Laurel? And how many have no idea what I'm even talking about? <laughs> okay, well, it was a little, it was about a third, third, third here in the first service. It looks a little, a little bit more Laurels than Yannies, it looks like, and still about a third who have no idea what we're talking about. Well, obviously, uh, maybe you heard, and if not, this uh, kind of hit on the internet and social media, uh, and it's this electronic voice that is saying a name, and some people hear the name is saying is Yanny, and some people are hearing Laurel, and it is just uh, quite the controversy, even uh, middle of this week, even amongst the staff here as we were playing, that walked in from lunch one day, and they were playing this thing, and I'm like, what in the world is this? And Because I clearly heard Yanny, and although the weirdest thing, when I actually, they played it on the news and they isolated some of the stuff, I then heard Laurel, and then from now on, I, it's all I hear is Laurel, and so what is the truth? Really, what is it? And I, I've heard here uh, over the weekend here, and some actually did some digging, and evidently this was a high school gal that uh, was looking up a word on an online dictionary and played the word, and the word was Laurel. Only when it played, it was kind of muffled and distorted a little bit when she played it, and all she heard was Yanny. She recorded that, started playing it for her friends who were kind of evenly divided as to what they heard, posted it on social media, and the rest here we've seen from this. But uh, it's, it's interesting as you're there, and even as we're going back and forth, and everyone was so sure of what it was and what it wasn't, and yet, still at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, but what really is the truth? What is it supposed to be? And evidently, it has something to do with the high frequencies and low frequencies, and if you can hear the high frequencies, then you hear Yanny. If you can't hear that, then you just hear the baseline low frequencies, which was the word actually being said was Laurel, and so that's kind of the... The uh, what's going on with that. But even in the midst of that, while we're hearing different things, yet there actually was truth. 
There was one thing that was trying to be done. And, and that's sort of the idea of what the Apostle John writes about in 2 John. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 John. Uh, this is uh, uh, second of the um, epistles that John wrote. John wrote in the Gospels as well, the book of John, and then uh, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John that we see were written. 2nd John was written, they were all written about the same time. 2nd John, it's, uh, they are at the end of your Bible there. If you turn Revelation and then Jude and then 3rd John, 2nd John, and you got to be quick because it's literally just one page. It's about 13 verses, and what we see here is a letter that John was writing, and all three of the, the epistles here, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, were all letters written, and 2nd and 3rd John were letters written to individuals. And so it's a brief little letter that, that we see that, that he writes, and just want to take some time uh, this morning because he really centers on this concept of truth. And, and as we're going about and doing what God calls us to do, and and especially in loving others, and yet it all centers on truth. And this is a theme that we see in all three of the Johns, but especially here in Second John. If you're taking notes, uh, I invite you here. Uh, point number one is know the truth. Know the truth. Starting in verse 1, he starts off with the elder. Everybody say, that's John. I agree with you. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth that abides in us will be with us forever. And so John the elder, he was also an apostle and, and an elder, and John likes to refer to himself and by other titles. We see this in the Gospel of John where he was the one whom Jesus loved, and we see here in Second and Third John, he starts off those letters as referring to himself as the elder there, which he was, an elder in the early church. Uh, to the elect lady and her children, the literally is saying the saved woman and her kids, and and uh, I believe this actually was a, a lady and family that uh, uh, he was writing to. It very well may have been her home. It actually could have been where that church, that local congregation was meeting in. And that very well may have been. Some have speculated it could be. Some have said possibly that could be more of a metaphor talking about the church. Although we see multiple references through this letter that I think would lend itself to actually being a person and people that are described in there. But uh, uh, either way, John says here that he and others loved them based on the truth. That he loved them be, primarily because of their commitment to truth. They knew the truth and they took a stand for truth. And you see that word truth is actually mentioned. It's repeated five times here in the first four verses. And then we see a couple other references later on in this book here as he talks about commandments as well. And those, I think, are very synonymous here. The truth that I think John's referring to when he says the truth, he's talking about those foundational uh, truths of the faith. They're literally God's word, which is truth, is what John is talking about. It's, it's the basics of the faith. It's the word of God. Jesus himself, who, who was the living word, and that we derive the written word from. We see Jesus also said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we see this over and over. Verse 2, it says, uh, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. So the truth that, that resided in me, what they understood, and the, and the truth that they had based all of their belief systems around, and that foundational truth that, that was a part of them living and, and abiding and dwelling within them, and that they would have forever. You know, I was reminded of this, I was reminded that there are only two things that last forever, you know, as scripture says, the souls of men and the word of God. And Paul's referencing here this word of God, this source of truth that will last forever. Because of the truth that will be with us forever, he goes on in verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. So grace, God's unmerited favor, God's favor upon us where he gives us the gift that we do not deserve and God's grace, God's mercy, that compassion that he shows us as he spares us from what we do deserve and the punishment that we deserve and, and the peace, that inner harmony that will accompany us comes from the Father and from the Son. Here we see the reference to the two of the three persons of the Trinity here, the source of that. And then we see this key phrase, in truth and love. In truth and love, and we see here that truth and love go hand in hand. It literally is, it, is, it's, it should be two sides of the same coin. And when there's love, there needs to be truth. When there's truth, there needs to be love. And we're going to see this really uh, explained here in this letter here, in, in this book. And, and so we see the fact that we need both truth and love. You, maybe you've heard Pastor Tim say in the past, we say it a lot in, in our biblical counseling, that, that uh, truth without love can be abusive. And love without truth can lead to enablement. What's the point in that? The point is we need them both. The truth and love should, be, should, should go hand in hand, should go together there. If we were to summarize here this initial thought, we, when we know the truth with our head, the truth abides in us and we love the truth. And we grow in the understanding and grow in loving the truth in our hearts. We then will live out the truth in the will. And we see all, all of those being a part of things, the head, the heart, the will, as we live that out. And when that is in place, then it brings grace and mercy and peace. As we, as we understand, as we, as we read God's word, our source of truth, as, as we meditate on God's word, as we, as we learn and understand that the Bible is, is the basis of what we believe the objective truth that derives and, and that, that dictates the decisions that we make. Sometimes we say it this way, it's, it's, it's the essence of Scripture being and forming our biblical worldview. Literally, how we view the world, how we view the circumstances of the world, that everything goes through the lens and the, and the filter of Scripture. And that we would be applying scripture to interpret and to direct all that is taking place in the world around us. And our responses and our reactions to that. 
We see truth in love. So I, I really it leads to uh, the, the question, then, how well do you know God's Word? How well do you know God's Word? You know, we, we have a great God, and we see in God's Word the, the awesome, magnificent, great God, and then we see how small we are in comparison to, and it should drive us to worshiping our God. So how well, do you, how well do, you, do you know truth? How well do you know God's word? Are you spending time in God's word? You may have noticed some of the things. We, we try to help with this a little bit. You may see in the bulletin there that reading plan. And, or if you can pull up on the, the app that we have, our church app, and, and you'll see that reading plan is updated. And, and those passages where it just throws out some suggested places where you can read each day throughout the week. And they go right along with the, uh, the uh, sermon series is what's being preached and complimentary passages. And just uh, really, you'd be surprised at the amount of time and effort that goes into saying, look, how can we get digging into God's word? And, and, and really to be doing that on a regular occasion where we're spending time listening to God. That's, that's one great option. If you don't have anything else going on, I would highly recommend that. Uh, uh, there, there are other types of reading plans and things. Uh, a little over a month ago, uh, I was reminded, we, actually Pastor Mike and I were down uh, in uh, Jamaica, just outside of Kingston, Jamaica. There's actually a church plant that's taking place there. We were down there for a few days. We're meeting with the church planter and the core team that was there as well. And you may have seen the bulletin. There's a mission trip coming up we're going to be partnering with and helping with that plant some. And, and so I encourage you to take a look at that. But we were down there. We spent a lot of time interacting with and doing some training with them as well. And then we also had some downtime. I noticed he, he was spending some time. He kept reading some, some things. And I said, what are you reading? And he said, hey, I, I've got this, uh, it's a read through the Bible in a year plan through the Version Bible. It's on, online, and, and you see, and there's a lot of the guys in our impact group were doing that as well. And I was reminded of that. I thought, you know what, that's probably a great thing. I've read through the Bible a couple times on, on the plan like that over the years, but it's been a long time. And uh, for me, it's something I kind of jumped into. I kind of drug a few of my family members with me as well and said, hey, let's do that because it's important to read the whole council of God, of being reminded all of what God says in there. There's many, many different options. There's a lot of things that are available. The most important things, though, is that you are spending time in God's Word. And as you open up God's Word and you say, what can I see about my great God? From what I see there, how can I worship Him more fully? And then how is He directing me to live that out today? For this week. So I invite you spending time knowing your God, spending time hearing from your God. How well do you know Scripture? Maybe you need to set some time this week and start working through something here to get you in scripture here on a daily basis. Number two we see is, is to walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. Verse four, John goes on, he says, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in truth just as they were commanded by the Father. 
John said, I, I'm celebrating in a big way. That it's just so encouraging here. And, and it was so great to see that, that some of your children were walking in, in, in truth. That they were living it. They were showing Christ off. And, 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 it, and John was just saying, man, what a joy it brings when you see that. And I'm sure many of you parents can, can, can relate to that when you're seeing your kids do things. And you see the, where they're actually living out their faith and, and, and the joy that it brings. Maybe... Maybe you've been coming alongside and discipling someone and you see as, as they're growing and learning things and God just continues to re reveal his word to them and you see the growth and the joy that that brings and that, that's really what John is saying and that it was just so incredible for him to see and it says that some of your children are walking in truth. I said that word some, I, I'd be careful as we read it here, it all kind of where you put the emphasis because you, it could imply that some were walking in truth and some were not. Uh, I, I kind of think it's probably more that, hey, John's saying, I came across some of your kids, and they're walking in truth. And, and that brought great joy. It was wonderful to see that. And, and so John, uh, go, uh, just saying, it's just, it's just an incredible thing when they're living out their faith, walking in truth. It goes on, verse 5, it says, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing a new commandment, but one that you've had from the beginning, that we love one another. He says, now it's kind of getting to the point of the, the letter that he was writing, and he's laid this foundation, and we see over and over he's emphasizing truth and the fact that they had been established in the truth and the importance of the truth. And he says, now I, I, I've got something to ask of you. And he says, I'm not going to ask anything new. It's something that you don't already, it's not like you don't already know it. You've heard it over and over. You've already understood it. It's nothing new. It's not a new commandment, but, the, but that you love one another. And so he's reminding them of what they knew. They would have known this as something that started back in, in Deuteronomy. That the Old Testament law that we would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It was repeated in the Gospels and we, we see it in, in Mark 12 and other places as well. And we see this, this command to love. Jesus even took it a step further and he, in Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. He says, you've heard, he said, love your, your neighbor and that. But I'm saying, love your enemy. And do good to them as well. Paul reiterated multiple times throughout the, the epistles and said, love one another. And we see it also in, in Romans 12, 10. And we also see John and just in the letter he'd written right before this in 1 John 4 where he says, and, and that you would be known by your love for one another, that you would love the brethren, that you would love other believers in Christ. And we see over and over, and probably if you walked up to someone on the street, even today, and you said, tell me something about Jesus, people so readily know and understand, I, I hope so, at least many would say that, that, that he's all about love. And absolutely, he's all about love. And so he's, he's writing here, and he's saying, Dear lady and, and, and children and whoever is going to be reading this letter, I'm just reminding you that you would love one another. But it's not just the fact that you would have this, this kindly affection towards each other, but he, he gives some description of, of what that love would be. And in verse 6, he says, And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. 
This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so you should walk in it. So what is that? What is this love? What's it supposed to look like? And literally what he's saying is love equals obedience. Walk in the commandments that have been given to you. Walk in the truth of God's word, the written truth. And and, and that you you want to love, then live it out in obedience. And love equals obedience, which equals our worship. You want to worship your God, live in obedience as we we love the people that that are around us. Love one another. It's not just a, it's not the the feeling of love that's commanded here. It's this agape love. It's, It's the sacrificial action of love is what's being described here. Let this love, this obedient love control all areas of your life. Literally saying practice what you preach, people. This is nothing new. The more that we know truth, it will lead us to obey it, which leads us to love or to learn more truth, which causes us to love Jesus more, who is truth. Let me say that again. The more we know truth, it will lead us to obey it, which leads us to learn more truth, which causes us to love Jesus more, who is truth. We see that, that truth and love still going hand in hand. We see this as we, as we try to understand, as we reach out, as we're going through life, and that everything that we're doing in life, we're working through this biblical worldview. We're literally saying, we're going to see life through the lens of, And this lens that we're looking through and it's affecting the way that we look is God's word. And so whatever situation is going on, we apply God's word. What does God say about what's taking place? How do I interpret that decision? How do I interpret those actions? How do I interpret what's going on? I interpret it through what God says about it. How do I respond to it? How do I act out on that? I act out on it according to how God says, this is what you do when this takes place. He's laid it all out. You want to know God's will for your life? It's in God's word. And he said, this is how we go about doing life. This is how we go about interpreting the things of life. And so it's so important that we know God's word, that we meditate, that we're abiding in Christ. We see this, John wrote a lot about this abiding. We see it even in this epistle here. We see it in John 15 where where he, he recounts what Jesus said, that we need to be abiding in Christ, that you're the vine on the branches. And we see over and over this, this abiding, this this. this Spending time with and even abiding in the truth as well. When we do this, it leads to actions of obedience. So what does that look like? So how do I know? How do I know if I'm truly loving others? Because when I'm loving others, it's it's truth and love. And how do I know if if I'm actually loving others based on God's truth? Well, here's five questions to ask yourself. Five questions. Am I loving others based on truth? Number one, do I see people the way Jesus sees people? Do I see people the way that Jesus sees people? As I look at, at and, and come across the, the people around me and 
And, and I, as I apply just inadvertently so often my own preconceived uh, notions and understandings and prejudices and whatever else that affect the way that I see and interact with people, my own goals and desires sometimes as well, but to be able to step outside of that and to actually to see people the way Jesus sees people. Jesus wrote a lot, has got a lot to say about how he sees us and, and why he loves us and the fact that he promises and shows us that he does love us and to be able to see people the way Jesus sees people. Number two, am I caring for them as I would myself? Am I loving them as much as I would love myself? And we just heard this before, but we're reminded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We see in other passages that we should actually esteem others higher than ourselves, but I would say even just the, the baseline, the bare minimum, am I loving others as much as I'm loving myself? I don't know about you, but so many times that's one of the big things, stumbling blocks that trip me up is the fact it's just my own selfishness. I'm just so often looking out for number one, and I'm not loving and caring for the people around me as much as, much as I care for myself. Number three, am I responding the way God's word directs me to respond? When there's interactions with people and situations and circumstances, what's my responses? And am I, am I responding in my own selfish flesh or am I responding in a way that's consistent with what God's word teaches? How are my responses to the people that I'm interacting with? How are my responses to the situations that I find myself in? Number four, Am I loving others based on truth? Number four here. Is my help truly helping them or just enabling them? As I'm trying to love others and care for others and whatever I'm doing there, is it actually helping them? Or maybe just while it may be well-intentioned to what I'm trying to do, but it really may not be helping them in the long run. Or it may be just enabling them in some things that probably shouldn't be. That's a tough one sometimes. As we look in the, into this and as we're wanting to care and love for people, but is it truly loving them and, and in their best interest in the long run? That's the truth-based love. And number five, does this really help them or just make me feel good. Kind of gets to leaving not even so much the action as much as maybe the motivation. Am I doing this because it really helps them? Or even in me reaching out, is it still all about me? All about making me feel good, about making me feel like I'm, about lifting me up, about drawing attention to me. As I'm coming alongside and loving others. Truth-based love. Love and truth going hand in hand. You, you may remember uh, a few years ago we had the tornado that came through on one Sunday morning in November. And uh, 
Uh, it uh, actually, if you remember, if you were here at Harvest at the time, especially at the 11 o'clock service, uh, actually closed things down. The tornado came ripping through the uh, parking lot and uh, destroyed about 130 cars in the parking lot, made a left turn, avoiding the church, and then headed towards Washington. And, and just the, the devastation that it, that it just wrought as it went through and, and so many homes that were damaged and, and, and many more that were destroyed uh, in that, and, and it, it was just an incredible thing to see in the midst of such devastation and tragedy, but yet the community draw together, and we had a number of folks even within our church that uh, had homes that were damaged or destroyed, and, and, and just to see the body of Christ rally together, and, and what we found here very quickly, as much as we wanted to, everybody wanted to jump in and to help out with things, uh, but uh, um, not really sure what would be helpful, so they wouldn't even let you into the area initially because they were trying to assess things and, and trying to protect and make sure everything was safe as well. And then really what we found out was that one of the best things, the, the biggest needs that, that were there was just to help with the cleanup. We spent many a, sent many a teams in to just do cleanups and just to pull everything and all the junk and bring it out to there where they could haul it away and, and just get the place cleared out so they could then start to rebuild process. And much of the developments and really that were hit hard, not all of them, but many of them were, were more middle, middle upper class. And, and so the, the, a lot of the basic needs just weren't there. They, they had insurance in place and those things, and they really did a pretty good job of responding pretty quickly in meeting those needs. There were some initial needs the first couple of days and, and that. But beyond that, it was, it was not what you thought. Well, one Saturday or Sunday morning, and actually this happened on Sunday morning, I believe it was two weeks after the tornado hit. Um, we, uh, this was during the 11 o'clock service, and many of the staff will hit kind of multiple services a lot of times, but in, in this Sunday, I'd been in the 9 o'clock service, and I was in the office during the 11 o'clock service, and this guy pulls up uh, with a big box truck, like a 24, 26-foot enclosed box truck. He gets out and he comes in he, through the door and I kind of, I just happened to be there kind of coming through and I, I greeted him and I saw the truck that he brought. He says, hey, I uh, have just come from up north. I'm not sure where he didn't come from and uh, many people in the church and stuff and we've collected all of this clothes. That, that truck is filled with clothes and I'd like to drop this off so that you can, that you can get it to the people there and to help the people in need. And I uh, kind of did a little double take, and then I looked at him. I looked at that truck and thought, oh, my goodness, okay, there's a lot of clothes in there. And I said, well, I said, hey, appreciate it. I said, obviously, it's, it's great. You guys really wanting to help out with things, but uh, I'm not really sure that clothes are really what people need right now. There were some initial things, but we just haven't really heard much of that. There was some things that developed. There was a, a ministry that was down in East Peoria that was doing some things, but really wasn't the biggest need. I said, there, there's, I'm not sure uh, that that's even a need. I said, for sure, um, we don't have any place to put this. And I definitely did not want to take the responsibility for collecting this and then having to try to get rid of that and, and donate that. And, and the guy kind of got a little uh, bent out of shape. He was kind of a little, I, I can't believe this is a church, isn't it? I'm like, well, yeah, but we, I mean, we don't know where we would even put the clothes, let alone how we would get rid of them. And then he says, well, well, where, where, where can I take it and drop it off? And I said, again, sorry, I have no idea. Um, 
while they meant well, very well-intentioned, um, but yet really not that helpful in meeting the needs. I think sometimes we, we, we fall into that, don't we? And I'm not sure where he ended up or where this clothes ended up, but it was one of those things of, of absolutely as we're reaching out and loving people, but making sure that it's based on truth, that it's based on needs, that it's going to meet needs in the long run, that it's going to meet real needs and not just make us feel good in the process. So how about you? How are you at loving others? Who do you need to be reaching out and caring for friends, neighbors, maybe folks in your impact group, co-workers, family? Maybe you're not reaching out, you're not really loving on others because there's some things that are going on, there's some, some attitudes, some selfishness, some things in you and what needs to possibly be set down that's getting in the way of your love for others? What might you need to change in your perspective and attitude and behavior? Number three, protect the truth. Verse seven, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an antichrist. There are many deceivers that have gone out. There were many that were, that were false teachers that were, um, that were going around and, and they were teaching a, a different doctrine. And, and the doctrine that they were teaching, this was a, a prevalent teaching even into the second century with the Gnosticism and the Gnostics. And it was the fact that Jesus was God, but that Jesus wasn't fully man at the same time. They denied the, the, the fleshliness, the fact of the physicalness of Jesus and, and his body on earth. And, and we know in Scripture it teaches that both are true. He was fully God and yet fully man at the same time. And, and, and this foundational truth and, and the fact that, given the fact that especially that Jesus died for our sins and, and paid without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And the, the, the necessariness of the physicalness of Jesus and at the same time the deity of Christ and that was the doctrine, and they were teaching a different doctrine. And they were going around and, and espousing this, and, and uh, such a one, John says, is a deceiver and an antichrist. That they were deceiving, they were leading others astray. They, 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 were, they were teaching a different thing and leading and had a following of people that were believing this teaching, and it was taking them off the path of truth. And it says, and they are an antichrist. There's a little a antichrist. This is literally anti against Christ. This teaching was against Christ. Well, they said they were proclaiming Christ, and yet this false teaching was against Christ. And he says, verse 8, watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for but you may win a full reward. And so we see literally saying, be on your guard so that you don't go away, that you don't leave from what has been established in you and that so that, so that you don't miss out on the benefits. 
that you wouldn't miss out on the reward, that you wouldn't miss out on the salvation that, that Christ offers. He says, verse 9, everyone who does, I'm sorry, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So whoever goes and, 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 and takes those teachings and goes on espousing those teachings, those that have been led astray, literally it says, if, if you head down that path, then you do not have God. What he's saying is if you don't believe in the foundational truths of salvation and the gospel and the, and the foundational truths, then they weren't believers to start with. And, and, and that they, they, they weren't believing actually the true gospel. But if you believe in these foundational principles, if you follow the teachings, the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel message, then you are children of God, that you are from the Father and the Son. And so if you abide in the teaching, if you follow the truth that they know, and I, and I, I think it's worth mentioning that what, what, what John was not talking about here, he was not talking about the amount of information that they knew. Truly, when we come to Christ, and I don't know if you've ever worked with new believers, and it's just exciting to see uh, as someone comes to Christ, because they know nothing. And they just hear and accept and, and trust in the, the gospel message. And, and then they start digging into God's word and think, man, everything is so exciting and new and fresh. And it's just fun to see as the lights are going on and the truth that they're learning and, and being a part of that. And, and that we know that the Christian life is about growth as we mature in Christ and we grow in our knowledge and, and understanding of who God is and how we relate and how we interact and how we live out that faith and it's not about what we know, it's not, or it's not about the amount of knowledge that, that we know here, but literally it's about our willingness to follow the truth. Are they willing, are we willing, am I willing to follow the truth that we see in Scripture? Am I willing to be obedient? And so John there is, is saying that's so important. Verse 10, he says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. So if, any of the, if you come across one of these false teachers, don't even have them into your house. Don't bring them in. Don't give them a greeting. And you need to understand it was a little different, the, the, this principle of hospitality and of greetings in, in the first century. And, and a lot of it, uh, travel was different back then, clearly. And, and the amount of travel that we see, but also the fact that there wasn't all the hotels and restaurants and things that we have here today. They had some inns and hotels, and many of those even were not places that good, upstanding people would want to frequent. And, and there was this need, though, if they were traveling, that you would take people in, that you would, that you would house them. And we see this amongst believers especially, that you would be housing others in there. You'd be caring for them. You'd be providing a place where they can sleep, and you would feed them while they were there. Even today, we see in the Middle East and, and, and this, this principle of hospitality, and as they come into the home and under the protection of that home, and, and we see that that is so valued and so when John's writing this, he's saying, look, as, as you're coming in, when those are going around, they're teaching, and they're needing a place to stay, 
as they're going around this itinerant preaching and they're teaching the false sayings, don't let your house be one of their stops. Don't assist them in this. Don't encourage them in this. Don't have them into your home where they can be leading you and others in your home astray, where they can be propagating this false teaching. Don't be doing things where others will look and say, I don't really know, not real sure about that, but, well, I don't know. Steve let them stay with them, so they must be okay. He's saying, be careful of that. Be careful. Have nothing to do with them. John says, they're bad news. They're wolves. Everybody say, they're wolves. Yeah, they're wolves. Shepherds kill wolves. When a wolf would come in and was starting to threaten the sheep, what would the shepherd do? Anything it took to get that wolf out of there. And that's what John's saying. Be discerning. Be careful. Have nothing to do with them. Verse 11, and whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. If you greet them in, if you welcome them, if you offer this blessing and encouragement upon them, then you're as good as they are. You are a part now of that false ministry. So what was John not saying? John was not saying don't reach out to unsaved people. John was not saying don't have unsaved people into your home. He was not saying don't don't be a part of this friendship evangelism thing. That was not what John was saying. John was saying on the contrary, reach out, share Jesus Christ. But when they are coming in and trying to teach and instruct and lead others away, then have nothing to do with them. Do you see the difference between the two? And it's something that, even our family, we've had many, many people that have lived with us and stayed with us, and a lot of internationals as well. Many have been believers. Many have not been believers. And that's a great thing. It's a great way we can do life together and share Jesus in the process. That's not what John was saying. Don't avoid that. Absolutely reach out to people. Love one another. But make sure that that love is based on truth. And make sure that what's being communicated and taught is based on the truth of God's word. As a ministry here, and it's just worth knowing, just so you know, and that's one of the, the things I so appreciate, our elders and our pastoral staff are, are just ever so careful of who we partner with, who we associate with, so that we don't inadvertently endorse false teaching. I want to make sure that when it comes to the fundamentals of the faith, of who God is, and the gospel message, that, that there is an agreement in there or else we want to be very careful and not to be associating with them, just as John says here. John then gets and closes this letter. He says, uh, verse 12, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. John says, hey, look, I've got more that I'd like to say, more that I just want to talk about. Instead of writing it down here, I'd rather be able to talk to you face to face, and, and I'd rather be able to enjoy your company and to be able to spend some time in the joy that comes from being together. Oh, and by the way, your niece and, and nephews say hello. And that's how he closes here this letter. So how do we know what is true? How do we know 
what is on the straight and narrow. I've got to, this is my, my little level. This is my toolbox in the truck that I keep with me just in case when I don't have anything else. My wife would not let me bring my four-foot level or the laser level I thought would totally not fly in this area like this. But this is level, if, if, you're, if you're putting a post in the ground, you're working on a deck or doing something with a fence, you want to know if that post is straight. You want it to be straight because it'll, it'll mess up all your other measurements there. You, you put this level here on the side here, and you look at that little bubble there, and if it's in the middle, then you know that it's straight, and you put it on several sides there and make sure that that, that is straight. Or maybe uh, if you're hanging a picture, how do you know if when you're hanging a picture, if that picture is straight, what's well, real easy, you just get real close and you get it and you eyeball it. I love to eyeball it. Sometimes when you're really close and there's a lot depends on what's around you, even if you're looking at that and, of course, if your ceiling's not straight, your floor's not straight or anything else around it's straight, then so many times my wife's like, I, that's not straight. I'm like, yeah, it is, yeah, it is. And then you step back and say, ooh, yeah, you're right. The best way to know if something's straight is you put something that's straight up against it, right beside it, and you compare it to it. And that's what you do. You put this level right there, and you get it so the level is just perfectly straight, and that bubble's right in the middle there, and you put that picture right up against it, and you compare it to there. This, folks, is our level. This is it. God gave us a level. He says, you want to know if it's true? You want to know if it's right? You want to know if it's honorable, noteworthy, praiseworthy? This is what you compare it to. This is what you apply to whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever relationship that's going on. This becomes the level, the filter. How well do you know God's word? How well do you know the truth? As you are reaching out and loving others, make sure that it is a truth-based love. And to know that the only one way to know the truth, and that's to spend time with the one who is truth, Jesus Christ. Spending time in His Word.